0: This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. In the name of a two-week break. Today, inshaAllah ta'ala, we resume the topic on the lives of the Prophets. And inshaAllah, I would like to continue from where I left off last time we were here, just to remind some people because I'm sure we, we forget very easily as human beings. I was talking about the fight that happened between the two first sons of Adam alayhi Salam, Qabil and Habil. And that Qabil was obsessed with jealousy, greed and pride. He was jealous of his brother for no logical reason. So the shaitan whispered to him, the desires took over, and he killed his brother. Habib and Qabil, they are names that we know about, actually not from the Qur'an and Sunnah. They are from the Israelite traditions, and a lot of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ referred to them as Qabil and Habib. Cain and Abel. These are the only two names we know, so we go by and show. I'd like to point out something important. Today, we have over 6 billion Muslims in the world. And we fight over the world. Atomic bombs are made. Nuclear warfare is prepared. And if they were to release it, probably wipe off the world as we know it. Humans become extinct creatures. Qabil and Habil, Adam, السلام, Hawa, and two daughters were the only ones that existed at the time when Qabil killed Habil in the entire world. And yet, subhanAllah, Qabil, he owned basically the entire world and still wanted to kill his brother over it. Such is the state of the heart which is attached to the dunya, nothing is ever enough. And Rasulullah said, Man مِثْلَكَ يَبْنَ آدَمَ Who is like you, son of Adam? If the child of Adam, لَوْ كَانَ لَهُ مِنْ ذهب, If he were to have a valley full of gold, Wished for a second valley full of gold, and then a third and a fourth. At the end of the day, nothing will fill his mouth more than soil. When we die, we go back to our graves, no one takes anything. My brothers and sisters in Islam, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the world. Taking some of it, driving a nice car, wearing nice clothes, having a nice big house, nothing wrong with that. But the problem is when the heart becomes attached to the dunya, where a person becomes obsessed and greedy, and something happens to their heart, they become competitive for the world, jealous for the world, pride, greedy, two-faced of the world so be careful my brothers and sisters from the world entering your heart Rasul told us it is not poverty which I fear upon you it's hadith is in Muslim. it is not poverty that I fear upon my ummah, but I fear upon you that the world enters your heart so the world we think about it, but it doesn't have to enter our heart it takes over our faith you will you will compete over it as those before your nations who competed over it, al The dunya destroyed them. So the problem is when it enters the heart and changes your whole character to something evil. That's when we have a problem. But there's no problem, as I said, in enjoying the world so long as you thank Allah in your actions, not just by word. I thank Allah neither that they would say. But in our actions, we still give donations. We still look after people. We still are generous, we still give our sadaqah, we still give from our time to others who are in need. We still think about our families and our friends and our parents, that they have a right to that wealth. We still do not think we are superior to others by the amount of gold or money that we have, cars that we drive. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it, so long as it does not affect your faith and your character. Once I was leaving the mosque, this masjid, when I was back in my younger days, and I had this nice flashy car I used to buy and sell, like some of the brothers here when I was back at uni. And I bought some new mag wheels, nice flashy mag wheels, to sell. So I'm getting out of the masjid and I see this brother standing there with his abaya and all gear. Nothing else to do but to judge people coming in and out. I don't know what the problem was. He sees me walking towards the car, and this is what I hear him say Dunya, dunya. <laughs> it's like he feels sorry for me. How am I after the dunya? I turned around and said, Brother of I'm selling this car. That's why I put the mag He goes, More dunya. <laughs> Can't get out of it. My brother says, There's nothing wrong with that. So long as your intentions are right, your character stays the same. We're not people who are sent to judge others. Right, we should feel happy when people have something nice, genuinely. My brothers and sisters in Islam, so Qabil killed his brother Habil, and Habir's attitude towards his brother wanting to kill him was this. He said, If you, my brother, want to extend your arm out, for no other reason except to use it to kill me, you want to use these hands which Allah created to do good, but instead you want to use them to murder me, I am not going to choose to use my hands to kill you. Of course, he was defending himself, but if his brother stopped, he will not kill him. He will not take his revenge. He will not try to get him before he gets him. You understand what I'm saying? But he said, if you want to kill me, then go ahead. I want you to take the sin of your own murder and. And at the same time, you might as well take all of my sins. This is because if you oppress someone, you take their sins. (laughs) That's the punishment. You take their sins and they take your rewards. SubhanAllah, even backbiting someone, something as simple as backbiting them. We give away a hasanat to them and take off their sayyad. Imagine murdering someone. فَتَكُونَ مِنْ You will be among the people of the fire, my brother. But the shaitan whispered, and as we said last time, the shaitan doesn't control you. The shaitan just picks at your desires. Any person can be a shaitan. You can never blame the shaitan but yourself. A human being can be a shaitan, when your friend tells you to do the wrong thing. Peer pressure to smoke, peer pressure to take drugs, peer pressure to steal. Peer pressure to bully. Peer pressure. You are the only one who's responsible for your action. But obviously the person who's pushed you to it also carries some of the sin. But you're not off the hook. And the beautiful ali in the Qur'an, or the reminder that on the Day of Judgment, the person who was a criminal, who was evil, sentenced to hellfire, sentenced to punishment, he or she will try to find any way to wiggle out of it. And The first thing they do is that they blame the Shaytan. They're Each person is born with a Kareem, a shaitan that's stuck to you. And they whisper to you. They have no power except to whisper thoughts. And you'll say, It's my Kareem's fault, it's my shaitan's fault. And the shaitan on a day of judgment, <inaudible> he will say, Hey, don't blame me, mate. I didn't do anything, I just invited you you responded. I didn't force you. I fear Allah, mate. That's what the shaitan says. I fear Allah, mate. I didn't do anything. Then Siri blamed me. I, I deny everything you say. I don't, I don't think what he did was right. The little weasel. That's what the shaitan does. So my brother and sisters is in Islam. The shaitan whispered to him. Qabir's nafs, his desire started to take over. And he killed his own brother. The Quran says he didn't know what to do with his brother. So he started walking around with his brother's corpse. Nobody knows how to bury it. Nobody knows what to do with the body. It's the first murder ever. No one's ever died before. They've seen animals die, but they don't know what happens to them. So Allah has sent two crows. They fought in front of him. One killed the other, and the other one buried it. I don't know if this is the nature of the crows, to do that, Allahu A'lam, but Allah sent that as a sign to teach him. And he said, oh my God, do I have to bury my own brother's corpse? He didn't feel right about it. He he was shocked, and obviously he had regretted and he felt fear and anxiety from what he had done. He felt trauma. So he buried his own brother, and instead of repenting to Allah, he ran away. It's not enough to feel regret. It's not enough to feel bad about something. You have to do something to change yourself. First is you make wudu, you pray two rakahs, you say to Allah to forgive you from your heart sincerely. You promise and make a determination to return to it. And then you've got to change so many things in your life. Allah said in the Quran, آخر, Those who do not make partners with Allah. Those who do not kill an innocent soul. Don't kill someone unjustly. And those who do not commit fornication and adultery, fornication and adultery means to sleep around. Whoever does any of these acts, they will meet on the day of judgment a terrible sin, terrible wrath. Their punishment will be multiplied on the day of judgment. And they will be placed in hellfire, humiliated. Except. Whoever repents, and renews their faith, changes their character, changes their intentions, their makeup on the inside, works on themselves to change. And then starts to change their life into actions, opposite to what they used to do, to good actions, righteous actions, consistently changing your whole life. These types of people, Allah will change their sins into good deeds. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ قَفُورَ Allah is always forgiving, most merciful. But Qabil did not repent. He ran away, he took his woman, and he went to live in the flatland. Because there's mountains and flatland. Adam was living close to the mountains. Rugged mountains. And Qabi'in went away into the city. So, compared to today, we say city life. Amazing. City life and how what city life can, carries. We all know that. The further away you go away from it, the more peace you feel, the more closer to Allah you feel, the more reflection you have. Amazing. The more away from all the hustle and bustle and all the haram that you are. To be in the city it's a great challenge with your faith. great challenge. We have to, but there is the reward. The reward is depending on how much you pass in your challenges. So, Qabib goes into the city, into the land, and starts to give birth, after birth, after birth, with his wife, and he starts to grow a whole new nation of his own. Instead of teaching them righteousness, all he knows is wrong. When you do not repent from your sins, you get guilt. If you don't look after that guilt, You want to survive. You can't keep living with that guilt, so you've got to do something about it. You've got two ways. Either you continue with that guilt, doing the same bad actions, because you can't survive any other way. Or you change your life around, and you admit your fault, and change. These are two ways that you can survive. The first way is not really surviving. You're still going down the wrong track, doing more and more wrong. And when you keep doing that after the guilt, you start to develop a character, an identity. You say to yourself, "I am a bad person," and that's why, for example, if you're the first time you take drugs, then you start dealing in drugs, then you get used to it, become immune to it, and it becomes very normal, and then you think I can survive that way. It's the only way I'm going to survive. You keep going with your sin until it kills you. So Qabid kept going with that sins after sins. After. The good, the, the amazing thing about Qabid is that he never made partners with Allah. And he never taught his children to worship anyone beside Allah. There was no shirk. It was always tawheed. Tawheed was so strong that no shirk was done in his entire lifetime. Adam stayed near the mountains. And subhanallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down a verse in the Quran to the children of Israel later on as a result of what Qabil did, reminiscing on that, saying, Min ajdiqah, because of that, the first sin that was done of murder. We have written upon the children of Israel that whoever kills one soul, it's as if they've killed all of mankind. And whoever whoever saves the soul is as if they've saved all of mankind. Brothers and sisters in Islam, in the hadith which is in Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet said, No murder happens. No murder happens. No person who is killed unjustly, except that a portion of that murder, of the sin of that murder, will go on to Qabeel, because he is the first one to start. The Prophet ﷺ said, to the son of Adam, who is Qabeel. Because he is the first one that started. Which brings to light an important hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, which is authentic in Sahih Muslim and others. He said, Man sanna sunnat It's important for us. Whoever starts a good act, and it becomes a trend, and people copy that trend, that good trend, then he or she who started that good trend will have the reward for doing it himself, plus the reward equal to everyone who does it after him or her. Anyone who copies them. It's an investment. You get the profit, even though like you do it, everyone who copies you, you still get a portion of that reward. Because you started it, and the hadith also says, "Whoever starts off a trend of something bad, they will have that sin, and they will also have the portion of a, of the sin of everyone who copies them in that trend." We have social media now, and how easy it is to start off a good trend or a bad trend on there. Unfortunately, the bad trend seems to. Overcome. good trend. And when people see, they do. And the more they see people doing, the more they feel less ashamed of doing the wrong, because they think everyone does it. And that's the nature of the human being. For this reason, brothers and sisters, especially the young people I'm talking to, the Prophet was not saying the following words just like that. He said, if you do a sin in secret, it's a sin, but at least it's between you and Allah. You can still work on improving it yourself and, and changing it. But once you make it public and you parade it and make your friends look like you, you know you're cool doing it, then you have taken away the veil which Allah covered you with, and that is a greater sin. Why? Because once you show others, you teach others, and you make it easier, and you make it more normal. And more and more. These are how sins become normalized, brothers and sisters. Everything around us in the world today that used to be abnormal, now normal, and even new laws are placed to allow this abnormality as if it is normal and forcing everyone to accept it as normal. These are all because, as Prophet told us, there isn't a nation that starts off a fahisha, a dirty, sinful, evil act, and then starts to make it public except that it becomes normalized among the people, then you see sicknesses and pain come into those people that had never existed before in nations before them. This hadith is in Tirmidhi and this hadith is in Ibn Majah and it is authentic. SubhanAllah. So we'll come to that, inshallah, later on. My brothers and sisters in Islam, then what happened? Adam became heartbroken for the loss not only of his son Habib, but because a father has seen his own children kill each other. That's one of the most worst things that a father or mother can go through. To see their own children killing each other, enemies of each other. To die thinking, my children are going to be enemies. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to mend the heart, the broken heart of Adam So Allah gave shift to Adam السلام, as a gift, and Adam looked at him as a hibah, a gift. Hibah. In Arabic we say hibah, a gift in exchange for the loss of his son, Habib. In Biblical terms, they call him Seth. A very popular Jewish name. And this name is very popular in Babylonia. Even till today, some Iraqi sects, they call themselves the, uh, the Sabians. They believe in some of the prophets. They have Tawheed, apparently. But they swear oath by sheath. And this particular people, they still exist somewhat today, um they believe that human beings came essentially from the essence of god and that's why you see movies where they depict human gods like people that look that they say half god half human came from iraq from babylonia these ideas imagination and allah made sheath a prophet not a messenger a prophet something a little bit lesser in rank And Adam taught Sheath nearly everything he knew. He didn't teach him everything he knew because Allah is the one that taught Adam. No one can be as knowledgeable as Adam. But he taught his son Sheath as much as he can. And Sheath became a prophet. And subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Sahih hadith. In the Sahih hadith which is in Bukhari. He said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down 103 scrolls. Different to the Bible and the, the Quran and the Torah and the Angel, I got their scrolls, of scrolls. He sent down 103. Fifty of these scrolls were sent to this prophet, chief Why? Because it was in the in the beginning of mankind, in the beginning of the world. Many advices, many uh, guidance had to be given to start off strong. And so Sheykh began. What did these scrolls have, they had lots of wisdoms about character building, behavior, manners, etiquettes. Not much about worshipping Allah because that was established. But all that other stuff that makes you a better human being. And these were full of wisdoms. Among these wisdoms were make an hour for your Lord, sorry, make a time for your Lord in during the day. Like stay, Like, take an hour off and sit pondering and reflecting upon Allah's creation. That is a ibadah in itself, which is a sunnah that has been forgotten today. So these are wisdoms and words that Sheeth used to teach the people very strongly. Unfortunately, my brothers and sisters, Qabil and his people were growing in number. And Sheeth and his children were growing in number as well. Time passed, and Adam, alayhis Salam grew old. And then his death time had arrived. Adam السلام, was 960 years old, while sheath was approximately 240 or 260 years old. This is in accordance with the Israeli tradition. But according to the authentic hadith, he said, When Allah created Adam, he wiped onto his back and every offspring of his came out. Maybe in the form of souls or images, Allah knows best. And on each child of Adam was a radiance of light illuminating from between, from their foreheads. And he, he, his eyes caught the attention of one of his sons who had a great illumination of light coming from his forehead. So Adam said, Oh, my Lord, who are these people? And Allah said to him, These are your offspring, your progeny, your children, all of us. And then he said, Who is that one there? And he said to him, This is your son, Dawood, David, alayhi salam. Adam asked, how many years have you given him in his life? He said, 60. Obviously, this was through the angels, of course. And, and then he said, give him from my life 40 years. And so, they would lived for 100 years. And 40 years was taken off Adam. The Prophet ﷺ said, when Adam's life came to an end, he said to the angel of death. But I still have 40 years left. Because Adam was supposed to live up to a 1,000 years. Subhanallah. And he said to him, but you gave those 40 years to your son Dawood. Have you forgotten? And the automatic reaction of Adam was that he briefly denied. And the Prophet explains this by saying, and so his progeny inherited the character trait of denial. He forgot when he ate from the tree so his progeny inherited forgetfulness, and he made a mistake, so his progeny inherited the habit of making mistakes. You might be thinking, well, how? SubhanAllah, you know, when you study evolution, that's the word they give it, part of it, I said last time, agrees with Islam. And if you understand that we inherit character traits from our parents, then it will be true to say that adaptation, things adapt to the changing circumstances and through you, the genes that you inherit from your parents. Rasulullah always says this, he forgot, so we inherited forgetfulness. He denied, we inherited the character of denial. He, for, he made a mistake, we inherited the character of making mistakes. You might be thinking, is this, our, is this not our fault? No. It's, it's not that. The fact that you make mistakes in denial, this is part of Allah's context. This is the way he created the humans to be. This is a test for us. Can we overcome it? Yes. Can you overcome complete forgetfulness? No. Can you overcome mistaking? No. Can you overcome the immediate reaction of denying something because you forgot? No. This is natural. And Allah will not hold us accountable for the things we forget or we make a mistake on. The Rasulullah S.A.W. told us in the Sahih Hadith, Rufya' an ummati, my nation, the pen has been lifted off what? Al-Khata' wa-Nisyan forgetfulness, and innocent mistakes. For example, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us that whoever fasts Ramadan and then they forget and they eat and drink even a full stomach, right, and they have forgotten, let them continue fasting for Allah had fed them and gave them drink. It doesn't matter because they forgot. Whoever is asleep and and accidentally slept in, and didn't pray on time, then the pen is lifted until they wake up. And whoever forgets, the pen is lifted until they remember. But other than that, repentance is in our hands, there is some control. Whatever we have control over is what will be judged. My brothers and sisters in Islam, the people of the mountain, it was said, this is Israeli traditions, that the men, men and women in the mountains, and men and women in the land, the men and women in the mountains was that the men had a more attractive look, they were more good looking, Than the women of the mountain. As for the land, flat land, it happened to be that the women were better-looking than the men. The women compared to the mountain women, the women of the land were prettier, and the men of the mountain were prettier than, more beautiful than the good-looking, than the men of the land. This is in Ibn Kathir. Scholars all talk about this and there's no, no disagreement on this as far as I know. And this, again, tells me that it's adaptation. You're living in harsh, hard climate, you're going to have harsh and hard, tough look. And obviously that's more suitable for the men than women. So if women are living in the mountains and they grow on that, subhanAllah, they adapt to it. Their skin becomes thicker, their bones become thicker in order to adapt to the climate. The people in the land in the city, it's a bit more luxury, so the women are a bit more softer and a bit more... Uh, you know, whatever, and the men become a little bit softer, so not very attractive. And subhanAllah, this is what happened, and we don't judge people, of course, for their looks. What happened was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, um, sorry, no, sheikh, the Prophet, he forbid the men, he forbid his people from mixing with the people of Qabir, especially the men and the women, men to mix with the women of the land. SubhanAllah Iblis comes along. Iblis used to come in the form of people, you could see him, now we can't. And he impersonated a young boy, an apprentice. Now this, this is this is not a hadith, this is again Israelite traditions, which our Prophet said we don't deny them, but we don't believe them. They could be true, could be not. But it was said that Iblis, and this is amazing because all the the main religions agree with this, the the Jews, the Christians, the Muslims. We agree that Iblis comes along, he impersonates a boy, and he starts working for a farmer, a shepherd. And he invents, he doesn't invent, the jinns had this before, because they were on earth before the humans. And Iblis, brings instruments of music, flutes, drums, and starts mixing them up and creates tunes. The humans had never encountered something like this as yet. And what happened was that obviously it has a really nice sound. Now, may I make an important point, which is a fact. Brothers and sisters, I do not deny that music has an effect on us. Man, it moves rocks. How can it not move humans? It's very attractive. It's extremely alluring. But we've got to be careful with it. What happened with it is, Iblis starts to play this music, and obviously gives you a good mood, right? The Qur'an gives you a good mood as well, nice voices, but when you attach this music, it gives you a good mood. And it didn't come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so it was invented and made up. And what happened was that the people of Qabeen were very interested in it. They started coming close, they started listening to it. And Kabir starts, was so happy that he made an anniversary every year to make a celebration. And they would sing with these flutes and, and drums and mixture of instruments. And they would start to move from side to side and develop dancing towards it. That's how the body moves to it. Even babies, you put music, they start dancing. Any beats, so they start dancing. It's a natural reaction. The people of sheath the righteous men, the righteous men among them, SubhanAllah, even the righteous men, they got, they started hearing this flute and the righteous women, and they wanted to listen, come and see what this is, curiosity. Which shows us that even if you're righteous, music can still affect you a lot. So, they went, and they started listening, and when they saw them playing in their anniversary, they noticed who, their women. As a result of these flutes, and uh, these drums, and this music, and everything, women started to Decorate themselves. And that was the first recorded time in history, and this is based on the hadith as well, that tabarruj happened. The word tabarruj is in the Qur'an ولي, ولي يتبرجنا, وَلَا يَتَبَرَّجْنَا تبرج Allah says, "O oh, women, do not talk to the Prophets' wives and the wives of the believers, the believing women, do not go into tabarruj. Don't start to take off your clothes and you know, decorate yourselves in public, right, in such a form. Uh, this has specific time and place, not outside of public for every person to see. And subhanAllah, the a wisdom time, what Allah says. These women start to come out, they decorate themselves, they wore makeup, they started to show some skin. And men saw them, of course, from the mountains, they were pretty good looking, the women of the land were pretty good looking. And subhanAllah, this lust began to develop. Brothers and sisters, in science and psychology, st- factual st- studies, which now become a fact, they say that you go through three stages of attraction. Number one, between the opposite sex, of course, the or any other person who lusts for something. So, what happens is, first of all, you lust. Lusting has, is void of emotion, and it's void of logic. It's just a reaction of the hormones. A natural biological reaction between the man and the woman is that you lust. And the more you have, you get closer, the more the lust grows. This biological reaction is, is quite risky. Because what scientists have said, and this is also a fact now, when this hormone, the rewarding hormone, starts to be released, dopamine and all these other hormones, they are released they make you feel good and they lower the feeling of shame and guilt at the time and here's the most interesting part it blocks part of the frontal lobe the frontal lobe is responsible for analyzing judging thinking it actually blocks it off especially in men so you're not thinking logically anymore Just reacting to the hormones. The more of it is, the more you will fall into what we say adultery, fornication and the likes. Some people fall into rape as well as a result, if it gets too intense. So Islam is about prevention is better than cure. Don't put yourself in the fire and say why am I burning? Brothers and sisters in Islam, this is the advice of our deen. And Allah does not Advise anything except that it's good for us, he created us. He knows. He made us. He made us men. So they mixed, and that was the first instance of zina. What is zina? Zina, literally zina, means sexual intercourse with an unlawful person. One you are not married to. Sexual intercourse is only permitted in marriage. Under Allah. Other than that, it is haram between the man and the woman, who are not blood related very closely, who are not maharim. Mahram is your father, your mother, your uncle, your auntie, real uncle, auntie, not a, our, <laughs> our Arab and, and Turkish and Pakistani way. We call everybody uncle, if they're older than us. Or as a friend of my dad's uncle, or my mom's auntie. No, blood, real. Your children, son, daughter, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. Sister, brother, right? Grandparents, people you marry, uh, people that you had breastfed as a child, as a baby, someone else becomes your brother or sister in radha'a and breastfeeding. Um, Someone your father has married or your mother has married, someone your children have married. These are mahra's, you can never marry them. Other than that, you shouldn't be alone, secluded together in one room, or have physical contact if you have reached puberty. Both of you have reached puberty. It's hard on, isn't it? So lust is the first thing. The second thing, if you keep going, there's attraction. After attraction, you might be attracted to their character, their personality, because you go out a lot. But that's after the lust has happened, right? And then after the attraction comes the attachment. And that's usually in marriage. That's why separating or divorcing breaks the heart. Because you're attached, you feel they're a part of it. So the last part is what happened. And this is what causes zina. Zina started to happen. Mixing and free mixing with music and dancing and anniversaries and concerts. This is how it all happens, brothers and sisters. Subhanallah. Nobody committed shirk. Nobody was worshipping other idols or committing shirk or wearing amulets and believing in superstitious things. No one was doing that. The only thing that Iblis managed to influence them with, is just listening to their lustful desires. SubhanAllah, even in the West, a common motto, when the music industry started to boom, in the 60s and 70s, the famous motto came out, what was it? Sex, drugs and rock and roll. Have you heard those of that, statement, that motto? Sex, drugs and rock and roll. Became bigger. Now, you don't need to say it because everybody, it's so normal to everyone. <laughs> Sex, drug, and rock and roll were the three elements of happiness, celebration, excitement, partying, uh, enjoying life. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. SubhanAllah, these are the three things that first began in corrupting mankind in the time of Adam, chief. See, the shaitan, if you're worshipping Allah alone, you're praying in the masjid, you're fasting, you love Allah, you worship Allah, the heart your Islam is in your heart, that's all good. But you see, the shaitan is smarter than what you think. He knows that you're you know, not going to straight away go and commit shirk. You're not even going to drink alcohol first. You're not going to take drugs first. You're not going to steal. You're not going to murder first. You know, you're too strong for that if you're close to Allah. But there is a side that is the weakest point. And that is, lust and desires. That's why the Prophet said, No man and woman, who are not lawful for each other, are alone together, secluded, in a closed room, except the shaitan is their third. And the interesting thing is that the Prophet did not differentiate, he didn't isolate the religious person from the non-religious. Why? Because it's a human nature to biologically react with lust. It's normal. It's like when you're hungry. The hungrier you get, the more you want to eat. The thirstier you get, the more you want to drink. The closer you are to each other, the more you want to serve that desire. It's a natural reaction. Islam found an alternative, which is marriage. Otherwise, be patient. Some of us have to fast till death, maybe. I don't You know, fasting till death we can't get married. I'm just joking. And how <laughs> do I go from serious to joke? Unbelievable. So we'll get back to seriousness. So the the, the lust and the desire start, no matter how religious you are, even Muhammad the Prophet, the most pure of people on the face of the earth, was never secluded with a woman on his own. His wife Aisha is to say, Wallahi, I never saw the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi or she even said, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi hand never touched the hand of another woman, even the hand of a woman who was not lawful to him. So my brothers and sisters in Islam, this is not something that we can say, I can handle it, now. I'm not doing anything. Wrong. It just develops by itself. And before you know it, you think, how did I get here? We all know what we're talking about. You understand what I mean. Some people, they want to marry someone. And what happens is that we, we, we start to meet them in secret. We start opening up communication on social media, all in the name of good intentions. I'm going to marry you. You see, sometimes a sister may, be, may fall prey to that. I hear it again and again. The man says nice words to her. I've oh, never seen, never heard someone talk to me like that in a very long time. He covered me with a blanket. He bought me a drink. Oh my God. He was so nice to my kids. You know, Subhanallah. Shaitan comes in and says to you, oh, he comes the man of your dreams." I don't know what it is. This is the biggest trick of the, you know, oldest trick in the book. The man may be lying just to reach something he wants. Maybe the man is honest. Maybe you're honest. but. The ends don't justify the means, wrong ends. You want to get married to someone, then do it the right way. I know people who started off in the wrong way, and what happens is they get married, and as they get more religious and nice with each other and everyone gets used to each other, SubhanAllah, when they have fights, they remind each other about they were for going out with you. say, well, what about you? You went out with me. What about you? You did the same thing. They start blaming each other, SubhanAllah. Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah tells us, the best of friends in this world will be enemies on the Day of Judgment. They will be blaming each other. Say, hey, you, why didn't you stop me? You are my best friend, why didn't you tell me? No, why didn't you tell me? Well, you did it, you did it. Allah says to them, both of you just, you both are, you know, deserve the punishment. <inaudible> Allah says, "Except those who are righteous. The best of friends will keep reminding each other. Don't do this, man. Let's go and do that. These will hold each other's hands and go to paradise. And husband and wife the same. So, my brothers and sisters in Islam, anything that starts off pure will be blessed. and Anything that starts off impure is not going to be blessed unless there is sincere repentance. Sincere repentance mutually from both. And tawbah, repentance, wipes away all sins that were before. Rasul <laughs> said, Whoever repents from a sin, it's as if they had no sin. And a person converts to Islam. They start off the same way they were born from At Islam covers away all the sins of the past. So repent, my dear brothers and sisters, and start off your actions pure, for everything pure is blessed. Finally, brothers and sisters, I'll just end it with this one. Sheath couldn't handle, he couldn't, like people were moving towards Qabeel, and Qabeel's people were increasing. Her, uh, Sheath's people were decreasing because of lust and desires. And Qabir's people started the act of murder afterwards. So, from jealousy came murder. From murder, it became a norm. To the music world, to the pre-mixing, to the zina and the killing. All of it come in a package. For those who don't fear Allah Sheath then died and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la sent another prophet who existed at the time of Adam. He was born at the time of Adam in the last 120 years of Adam's life. Guess who? Prophet Idris. Idris in biblical terms is Enoch. But he wasn't just a prophet, he was of a higher rank. He was a Rasul, a messenger of Allah. And he came with new Sharia. Sharia means? A new law. And in his Sharia, he was the first to declare Jihad. Jihad, a military uh, strategy to fight off corruption. Because the people of Qabeel were now killing, and the way to stop it and return people back to peace and justice and harmony between each other, he tried the peaceful way, it wasn't working. So then, it was required that they may have to take up arms, and so they did against the people of Qabib, and that stopped corruption from happening. So, jihad is misunderstood these days. Jihad is a military battle in order to stop fighting. Fight to stop fighting. There's good violence and bad violence. Good hatred, bad hatred. Good love, bad love. Good violence is the violence that stops bad violence. Good hatred is the hatred that hates... Hatred. (laughs) Hates bad things. We have to hate. We have to hate murder. We have to hate hatred. We have to hate oppression. We have to hate, you know, um, supremacy and uh, terrorism and extremism. We have to hate that stuff. Right? But we hate it. We don't hate... It doesn't have a face. We hate that. We love. We love good things. We love that love should be there. We love that worship should be there Allah. So there's good ones, bad ones. And Idris was the first. I'll finish it with this. Idris alayhi salam was a tall man, strong built, thick bones, extremely handsome. He had eyes with long eyelashes They looked like they had been there's Desert eyes. Idris alayhi salaam was quiet, he only spoke when needed. He looked at the ground and had long strides, big strides. He was a thinker, ponderer, and he had a somewhat look on his face that looked almost like he was sad, which meant that he always thought, he was always thinking. And SubhanAllah, a very wise man, Idris was something unbelievable. He was the first to write with the pen. pen, and SubhanAllah, Idris alayhi sam, we don't know much about it except what is said in the Quran. Allah said, In nah no sun dia wa rafna mumakana Allah says in Surah Maryam and relating in the book Idris, he was a truthful, honest man who stood up for the truth and he was a prophet. And we lifted him a very high station, a very high place. My brothers and sisters in Islam, inshallah, next week, please come back. We will continue from leaving off from the death of Idris salam, and subhanallah, what happens next. Very interesting, very exciting, adventurous, amazing. We can learn so much from the lives of the prophets, I think, more than almost anything else. May Allah reward you. I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us this opportunity to learn.